and welcome to the Younger, Smarter, and Better podcast. This is going to be part two of the series where I'm talking all about the system that I use to filter my to-do list to get the most time out of my time invested. So last episode was the previous episode, if you haven't seen already. It's episode 16 of season three, where we talked all about the first two steps and the mindset and mentality behind the system. The idea is that, you know what, if you invest time into something, the idea of how you invest time is by spending time on things that will give you time tomorrow. So these ideas we talked a lot about in the first step, which is creating a list of all the things that have been running through your head, list of all the things like maybe washing your car, doing laundry, giving your plant water, these sorts of things and putting them on a list. Now my list tends to span to half a page full of like continuous writing. Um, For others it might be more or less. So we talked about that first step of cutting writing down now. We go through the filter idea. We talked a lot about how previous filters like the Eisenhower matrix are great, great way place to start, but don't really um, completely live up to what they could be. And we talk about this new system, which is called the um, procrastinate on purpose filter. I call it a multiplication a decision filter because that's what basically we're doing. You're multiplying your time and you're making a filter for your decisions. And that's kind of what this is. Now, the first thing that we go through and we talked about this last episode as a summary was eliminating tasks. Can you live without this task? Is this task really important? Is it an optional assignment? these sorts of things that you can get rid of. Now, of course, there are certain cases where the optional things are actually quite fun or enjoyable, and you might not necessarily need to eliminate them completely, just not do them first. So in this case, there's a lot of optional fun stuff that I have that I read in my to-do list that I put onto a separate list. And this separate list is my optional fun list of random things like photoshopping my friend's face into my mouse cursor, which is by far the funniest thing that I've done. It's literally his head rotates around in a circle. I'm staring at it right now. It's so beautiful. But these kind of optional side things you can do, just not the first thing that you do right when you wake up. So this kind of like eliminating the optional stuff being more or less optional assignments, things that you don't necessarily need to do. Um, But you know what? There's a case scenario where that optional assignment might give you credit that might save your grade for class. In that case, it's not really optional anymore, is it? Because that's kind of like, do you want to have a grade in that class? Yes or no. So these kinds of like making sure that you're more reasonable with what you eliminate. Now, the next thing we talked about is for not, it's basically for everyone, right? Can you automate anything? And the reason that automating saves time is because when you put time into creating a system, say, and the example I used last episode was for Instagram, Say you invest time into creating a system that automates your Instagram posts for a week and you only invest one or two hours a week into that system and say you normally spend seven to eight hours on it. Now you just saved like six to seven hours a week on Instagram for this sort of thing. So you can kind of see how over the course of time that investment stacks up. Creating that system, even if it takes like, even if that system takes at the beginning, it takes like five, six hours just to create the system, that system's going to return really, really fast if that's how much time you're spending on that program just to do a certain like just to do four or five posts a week. And you can kind of see how that system returns so fast. Now, automating, you don't have to, as we're talking about the last episode, you don't have to spend money to automate things. 
But if you decide to, it can be a really, really good return on your investment, not only time-wise, but money-wise, because anything that wastes your time wastes your money. It actually, your time is more valuable than your money, so it wastes a lot. So think of it this way, right? If you spend money to get a system that automates one part of your life, right? And say this one part of your life costs you like five, six hours. Now, if you were to spend half of that time working an extra like two to three hours, now that money goes to pay for like that money. Not only did you pay for whatever the automation system costs, probably costs for like the month, but you also still have the results from that tasks. So you're basically, not only are you getting paid more, you're also getting more things done. It's like a win-win-win. Now, it's kind of like justifying the cost of automating these tasks is a big part behind automating. If you can do it for free, that's great. There's a lot of technical solutions for things nowadays, which is what I highly, highly suggest. And this kind of brings us into our next step, what we're going to be talking about a lot more this episode, which is delegating things. Now, with me personally, I'm not in a position, and this kind of definitely comes into a positional point of view. Are you in a position to delegate tasks? Now, I've figured out ways where I can delegate things, just not completely. So what I do is definitely for online schoolwork, this is a great example. For online schoolwork, we'll get group projects. Now, if you know, group projects are kind of stupid, especially from an online standpoint when you have people that just don't even respond. I've had one person, I work in a group for one class, and I've had one person that I literally haven't talked to since school closed. And because he just doesn't checks messages or email or anything and I don't even like so I know he exists because I've seen him like show up in like the attendance and stuff but he just doesn't respond or send any messages whatsoever and so what I kind of do and I've kind of figured out this system in place if you can make it easy for your group to do things if you can make it easy for everyone else to do things, then they're much more likely to do it and you don't have to do the whole project by yourself. So what I'll do is my delegating, which isn't necessarily delegating. It's more or less figuring out a way to make it easier for other people so that you can get more return on the time that you're investing, right? So I, what I do is I'll create, I'll go through and I'll create the document that we need for the project. And then what I'll do is I'll kind of make comments on the thing, what needs to get done. And so what I'll do is I'll usually do like whatever section of the work that I have to do. And then I'll send an email, I'll send a text and a video or whatever to my friends and say, hey, look at, I've set all of this up for you. So it's like super easy for you to do. And there's only this, 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 and that you need to do. I've put comments. I haven't tell you what you need to do. It should be super easy for you. All you got to do is just knock this out. And a lot of the times they're super grateful because you've taken a lot of the labor of figuring out what you need to do out of the way for them. So it's really just all they have to do is answer a few questions. And so what I've done is that's kind of my version of delegating. If there's a group project or something like that, I'll take the heavy load of it, which is just getting it done. It's a lot better. Okay, think of this way, right? Working this way on group projects, especially online group projects, saves you time because you're not doing the entire project. <laughs> so if you can make it easier for your group to do the project, then you just get a return on that time investment because you're not doing the entire project by yourself. So we're thinking of it that way can definitely kind of see the investment on this. Now, there's another standpoint where for people who aren't in position to delegate 
and do have the money to kind of pay it. Think of it this way, right? Delegating is the process of hiring or getting someone else to do something for you. So when they're doing that task for you, that means you're not doing it. You're saving time. You're multiplying your time by doing that. So think of it this way. The the example used in the book was, say, delegating a five-minute task to someone like an assistant, right? Now, if you think of it this way, five-minute task, it could be done by you. Like, sure, it only takes five minutes. Now, the whole point of the book was saying is like, sure, it only takes five minutes, but let's do some math. And what was really interesting is it basically said that if you were to invest five, like if, if you were to say basically teach someone else to do that five-minute task, right? Because that's really the time investment cost is teaching someone else to do it and helping them along the way as they begin to do it better, right? So the time invested cost is the five, it should not like, all right, think logically, it should not take 30, it should not take two and a half hours to teach someone how to do a five minute task, logically, right? But they're saying if you were to invest 30 times the cost of whatever time you're, you're delegating to someone, right? So if it's a five minute task, that's five times 30 to get the total cost of what you're going to be spending that it's 150 minutes, right? You should be willing to invest 150 minutes to delegate a five minute task if you can afford to do so. Now that rub, that's basically, that's two hours and 30 minutes for a five minute task. Now the investment side of things is that if you had to do that task every day, for work, right? And that's a five minute task. You will see instantly 1,000. So over the course of a year, right? Doing a five minute task every day, that is a 1,280 investment return on that. So that's roughly 21 hours. So that's like a 700% return on your investment in time for a five minute task to delegate that. If you think about it that way, it's huge. It's astronomical. It's amazing what you can do when you start to look at your time differently. And that's for the people who have people that they can delegate much more easily. Now, there's, of course, ways you can do it around that where you can either like say, oh, you know, I'll do this task, which might not take you that much time if you could do this for me. There's other ways to do it, of course. And there's a lot of different strategies. Definitely be creative when it comes to these delegating these tasks. But you can kind of see how this system can be so helpful when it comes to getting more time back. So when we talk about this system, we're going to talk about the next one, which is actually, this is the one that I hinted to at last episode. I'm sorry I didn't get it to in that previous episode, but this is where we're going to talk about it. In the last episode, I was like, hint, hint, you know, you don't have to eliminate everything. You just could do it later. And I was like, hint, hint, hint. Well, now that's where this episode is, that this part is going to tie tie into this. So we talked about the first step going through. Yeah, I'm going to give you a brief recap here so that you can kind of see where why this is so powerful. First thing is kind of like writing down all the tasks. We just talked about that a little bit ago. Now eliminating tasks, things that you can't, things that you can live without, things that you can get rid of. Now automating things for people who are in a position to do so, using digital tools to automate things, being able to spend money on that so you can get a return. Um, then delegating tasks, that's something that we just talked about. Now, when you get to the end of this, right, this, once you've already delegated everything that you could possibly delegate, now you know that the things that are on your list that aren't crossed out, delegated, automated, eliminated, those things that are left on your list are the things that are actually for you to do and they're worth it for an time investment standpoint. Now, when you're looking at this, right, now there's still, there's still probably quite a few things and they're probably a lot of the bigger projects, things you might be like putting off, right? So now 
It's coming at this list and saying, okay, what do you actually have to do right now? Now, when it comes to a timing standpoint, right, this is the last thing that the author talks about for ways that you can multiply your time. If you ha- if you don't have to do it now, if you can wait till later on things, you can actually save yourself some time in the future. So the, the idea that they use is basically the whole system, the whole book is called procrastinate on purpose. And this is the next step, procrastinate, which is really interesting that in a productivity filter, you'd be procrastinating on things. But the explanation behind this really kind of changed the way I thought about it. Procrastination is the waiting and delaying a task that needs to be got done, right? So it's delaying a task that you know needs to get done, that it is worth your time, and you're putting it off. Now, the other opportunity, the other end of this, which is actually patience, it's waiting for the right time to do things. And procrastinating on purpose is really just a synonym for patience, which is, if I think that's a much better way to say it, but I think procrastinating on purpose is marketing value-wise. That's why they chose that word. And just saying, oh, you know, you can procrastinate on it sounds a lot better than being patient. Um, but when it comes down to it, that's in essence what it is. You're waiting for the right time to strike. There is timing is a huge factor when it comes down to doing these things. So the example that they use, the one that I think illustrated a lot in my mind is that imagine you're placing a large order on something. Um, like you're putting a lot of money down, you're going to place a large order. And if you're like looking from the standpoint that we tend to, which is get things done as fast as possible, and get them like just, okay, you know what, you see this is an important thing to do, this is something you have to do, you can't automate it, can't eliminate it, can't delete it, or delegate it, and they're like, okay, so you have to do this thing. Now, a lot of people, they're like, okay, I'll just do all the things that I have to do right now. Now, the reason that he doesn't say do this all the time, he says wait for the right time, don't do anything. One is because there's always more things to do. That was one of the big things that he said, always more things that you can do. Always more things that there's on your list, right? So making sure that you can get the important stuff done and right away is really important. So making sure that you can look and say, okay, what what can I wait on? What can I delay? Because there's a timing aspect to this, right? If you place that large order, if you place it too soon, and somebody's like, okay, you know what? We need to change X, Y, Z about it, right? There's a huge cost. You just spent a whole bunch of time and it's, it's not necessarily, it's time quote unquote wasted. That is a sunk time cost into this activity. And basically, if you want to think of it this way, right? You put a whole bunch of time into this task that you didn't need to do, which is the equivalent of you could have saved that time. So think of it this way, right? If you have a huge project and what what I do is I found that there's a really interesting application in this, especially for online and digital work when you work with like a group or with a friend, right? So one of the things that I've realized about waiting off and putting off these sorts of things is one, it's easier to batch things. You can put a whole bunch of smaller tasks together, like maybe email. So this is a great example. This is something that they talk about in the book as well. Um, Procrastinating a purpose, waiting for the right time to strike waiting for the right time to do these things. You might realize as you start to use this filter more and more, maybe the next day use the filter, right? And you realize that there's the same tasks that are getting all the way down to the bottom of the filter. And you're like, um, but they're not necessarily like the highest priority, which might be like check your email or something simple like that, right? You might realize that these tasks keep coming up and up again, which means they they get procrastinated on, which means you can wait on them. So you're like, oh, you know, I can wait on this activity or I can wait on this thing. And you might realize that you might be waiting and pushing things off that either A, 
didn't need to be done in the first place. You could have eliminated them from the beginning so you can just get rid of them and you don't have to worry about them. Because if you push them off, right, you don't have to worry about them anymore. And so you're worrying about the next day and you realize the next day you can keep pushing it off. And you might realize that, oh, you know what, I don't actually need to do this and you can eliminate it altogether. You might realize that B, someone else who either had to do it themselves or like if this was someone else's task and they're like, hey, can you do this for me, right? And you're like, oh, you know what, I can check up, check with me tomorrow, right? Now, what happens is they might do it themselves. So that task might be done without your help, without your intervention, which means you didn't have to do it in the first place, which saves you time. So now another thing, looking at it from this standpoint, right? That task has just saved you a whole bunch of time from not doing it. You might realize that it comes up and up again, which means you could batch it. So you could like, okay, there's a whole bunch of these smaller tasks like email, that sort of stuff that you can do all at once, which saves you a bunch of time because you're already in the mindset of working on this activity. So if you have like, say, for example, going back to our Instagram posts that we talked about creating that system, by me batching that system, I'm basically saying instead of creating a post every single time week over the course of the week, so I don't have to, I don't have to sit down four times. There's a, there's a period of time. Think of a ta- an activity, right? There's a period of time where you're sitting down and getting into the focus mode and working on an activity. That takes about, I think the, w- the number is 12 minutes to get into that activity. And then you're in this time where you're productive and in that mindset, you already have all the tools available to you and everything, right? Now, if you do that four times over the course of the week, that's 12 times over the course of the week where you have to, or that's four times over the course of the week where you're spending that 12 minutes. If you only do that once, you only have to spend the 12 minutes once and you're already in the mindset mindset, you're already in the activity, you already have all your tools open, right? So you can kind of see how batching also plays a part into this. Now, what is the right time to wait until? What is the right time that you can push things off to? Now, this is kind of the difference between procrastinating and being patient. What is the right time to do things, right? So there's this question that you can kind of see there's kind of a question related with each of these sections. The question related with this one is, can you wait, can this activity wait until later? And the reason that this is the question is because it's something you can ask yourself repeatedly. So you say like, can this task wait until later? Yes. If it's yes, then put it off. You don't need to necessarily do it right now. If there's an activity that is more important then you can deal with that one. You're basically dealing with the next significant activity. So if the answer to that question is yes, then now is not the right time to do it. However, when the answer to that question is no, it can I wait until later? So the idea is, can you wait until later? Like if you waited until later, right? You'd still have time to do the task to the best of your ability without any consequences, So if the answer to that question is no, you cannot wait until later, there is no more time where if you were to wait any later, there would be consequences for waiting. Now is the right time to do that activity. You've gone through your filter. You've already eliminated the use. So it's a useful thing. It's something that's important, something that's valued, something that you cannot live without this activity. You cannot automate this activity because it's something that has to be done by you. You cannot delegate this activity, again, because it's something that has to be done by you, something that you want to see through. You cannot wait until later. Now you go on to the next step, which is going to be, can you, its next step is concentrate, which is basically, it's basically act. It's basically do. The next step on the thing is actually working. It's setting your head down. It's concentrating on these activities. And so basically, if you go through the whole filter, right, go through the filter again, touch on concentrate. 
you've gone through, you've created a list, you've eliminated the non-necessary, you've automated the, the stuff that can be automated, the mundane tasks that you do over and over again, you've delegated the tasks that other people can do that you don't need to do yourself, you've procrastinated, you've put off the tasks and you're patient for the right time to do them so you don't have costs, sunk costs in changing things from a big purchase or large order or something like that, right? You've batched all the activities that you've seen that keep coming up and up again, but don't necessarily need to be done right away. And then you've started to concentrate on the activities. These activities that you have left in your list are the most significant. They're the ones that probably return time back into your day. These are the ones that give you actual real-time results, right? And this is the perfect time to do it. Now all you have to do is concentrate and focus. So I think what I'm going to do next episode is talk more about focus, getting into that mindset. We've talked about this previously, but I want to go over it again because there's a lot of interesting tools and techniques that you can use for getting into that focused mode. So now we're talking about concentrating setting your head down and actually getting some work done. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope that this system will be helpful for you going forward when you're looking at your to-do list and thinking, okay, what is the most important thing for me to do? Looking for getting more time and results out of your life. I really hope that this has been important and something that you can use in the future. Um, If you found this this series helpful, please share it with a friend. I'm sure this can be definitely very, very helpful for other people. So if you found use out of it, why not share it with your friend? So with all that being said and done, I'm Christian Adlita. I'm the host of this podcast, and I want to thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay hungry for knowledge. <laughs>